This is Out of the Dark by Choices, Chapter 3. Draco's day goes without a hitch. His clients' shipments arrive on time, are picked up or delivered by courier. He manages to secure a slightly larger contract than normal with the magical menagerie. All in all, he's rather pleased with himself. By the time he saunters up the manor path, he's ready for a glass of wine and a long bath. The first sign that something's amiss comes when he opens the manor door and is hit with a blast of warm air. Draco frowns, steps inside, looks around. The hallway is warm. He scowls. Potter. His hand is on his wand, quicker than he can think, and he's halfway through dismantling the heating charm when he realizes that it's probably a gesture of gratitude. A thank you. It's fine. Draco can accept gratitude with grace. He's an adult now. He doesn't need to throw unwanted gifts back in the face of the giver. And in any case, without Potter here himself to sustain it, the damn thing will wisp away to nothing in a day or two. He has to admit that it's almost nice, being able to unclasp his cloak as he makes his way to the kitchens for his much-deserved wine. Draco pauses outside the kitchen. A warm strip of light comes from under the door, and music drifts softly through it. Something old and romantic. Draco shivers. The kind of music his parents used to dance to, once, when they'd still been terribly in love. Draco would sneak out of bed to watch. Even amongst all the splendor of his childhood, he'd never seen anything more spectacular than the two of them waltzing across the living room carpet, his father in his pajamas and house robe, his mother in a soft white nightgown that floated about her as though held up by magic. They would laugh and kiss, and his father would tell his mother that he'd thought of nothing all day but her. Draco pushes open the kitchen door, half expecting to see the two of them. But no, it's just the wireless, turned to an oldies but goodies station. The kitchen is empty. There's a single candle on the countertop, bathing the room in shimmering gold light. It illuminates a silver platter with a stack of crepes on it, still hot and steaming under a glass dome charmed to retain heat. Besides the platter, in a neat little row, stand three jars, honey, jam, and an odd little one with a white cap marked Nutella in happy red letters. Draco looks about for a note, but finds none. He stares at the crepes in wonder for a moment. Then, terribly curious, he lifts the glass dome. The smell of warm butter floods the kitchen, and Draco has to close his eyes against it, overwhelmed. It's almost too much. Almost. Removing his cloak, he takes a glass out of the cupboard, grabs a bottle of red wine off the rack in the corner of the room, and slowly opens the bottle by hand, all the while eyeing the crepes, unable to believe that they're real. His mother had made crepes for breakfast sometimes as a special treat when they'd summered in France, served them up with whipped cream and berries. Draco places the glass of wine on the small table, then carries over the crepes and falls into the chair, before finally, finally removing the glass dome once more, and lifting a hot crepe from the pile with thumb and forefinger. He tears off a piece and tastes it, closing his eyes. There's something private, decadent about it, eating the crepes warm and familiar and prepared with only him in mind. Draco doesn't read into it, knows that Potter meant nothing by it but a thank you for not leaving me out in the rain. 
and still the care of it floods him with a warmth he'd long forgotten. This must be what it feels like to be adored, thinks a small, sentimental part of him. He imagines Potter here, barefoot in his kitchen, humming along to the wireless as he prepares crepes for Draco. He'd push the image down, but he's too entranced, too touched by the gesture, meaningless though it is. Before he knows it, Draco has devoured the entire stack of crepes, just as they are, plain, forgetting about the honey and jam and odd little jar marked Nutella. Staring at the empty plate, grief curls, tight and familiar in Draco's sternum. There's something cruel in Potter's thoughtless display, he realizes, showing Draco what could exist and doesn't, hasn't, never will. All the things he thought came guaranteed with life, joy, love, family, have proven to be the hardest to secure. Hard to find someone to love when it turns out they must love you in return. With a sigh, Draco rises from the table. He washes the plate, the glass dome, placing them in their respective drawers. Leaving his cloak forgotten on the chair, Draco picks up the wine bottle and glass and walks out of the kitchen. Behind him, the wireless goes quiet. The candle flickers and dies, and the kitchen returns to its usual cold and desolate state. Draco is making his way down the corridor to his bedroom when there's a sudden creak. He drops the wine bottle and draws his wand, head pounding and ears ringing with the abrupt burst of adrenaline. Potter steps into the hallway from the guest bedroom Draco had put him in the previous night. Oh, Potter says, scratching sleepily at his stomach. You're home. He's barefoot again, drowning in a shirt that is far too large on him. Draco blinks at him, stupid with surprise, and finally lowers his wand from where it's pointed between Potter's furrowed brows. Home? Potter? What the fuck are you still doing here? Potter blinks at him, confused. Oh, he says, face falling. You didn't like the pancakes. Crepes, Draco corrects without thinking. Right. Potter looks down at the floor, and Draco follows his gaze. The silk, handwoven rug is stained red with wine. There are splatters on the wall. Draco closes his eyes, trying to keep himself from exploding. He's lived in the manor, alone, for over a decade, and nothing like this has ever happened. At least he didn't drop the glass as well, or else there'd be shards to collect on top of everything. He digs through his mind for a cleaning charm that will get red wine out of white, but comes up empty. Before, things like this were the job of house elves, and now, well, they're no one's job, because Draco doesn't make it a habit of spilling anything, let alone red wine. Are you going to... Potter asks, gesturing at the floor. Draco grits his teeth, contemplates, saying, I don't know how, then thinks better of it, then says it anyway. I don't know how. Right. Potter gives him an amused little smile, flicks a wrist, fingers barely visible beneath the two long cuffs of the shirt, and poof, the stains are gone. The bottle is standing upright on the floor, a little wine still left in it. Thank you. For the wine? Or for the... Both, Draco says, wanting to be over and done with this, whatever it is. Potter beams. Charming. 
Draco blinks the thought from his mind. Potter, you hate me. I hate you. I don't know what you're hiding from, but do it elsewhere. Potter bites his lip, and Draco grounds out a please, because he is nothing if not polite. It's, um, the middle of the night. Draco rubs the bridge of his nose. Don't you have a job to get back to? A Weasley? I don't take up that much space, Potter glances around, and it's not like you're using it anyway. That's not the point. This is my space. Empty and desolate, Potter starts, but Draco talks right over him. Empty and desolate though it is, the wine sloshes in the glass he's still holding. Easy, easy, don't lose control now. I did my civic duty and saved the hero, but if I were in search of roommates, I'd have them already. And even if I didn't, I most certainly would not choose you, a sad little ghost drifting about the manor. I am not a sad little ghost, aren't you? Something in Draco's words must hit home, because Potter flinches, turning his face away. He almost thinks he's won, but it's Potter, and only an idiot would assume that he'd ever give up so easily. I'm half asleep, Potter says. I might splinch myself. Imagine half of me in Dagon Alley, and the other half of me here. Draco almost laughs. Can't believe he's ever thought Potter didn't have a manipulative bone in his body. What a farce. Fine, just the night, and only because of the, you know. Crepes. Right. Potter gives him a tiny smile, inclines his head, and turns to go back into the guest bedroom. Draco's eyes fall on the small gold stud just below the collar of Potter's shirt. Potter, is that my shirt? But the door has already clicked closed behind him, and Draco can do nothing but stare, dumbfounded at the grooves in the red mahogany of the door. He lifts his wine glass to his lips and downs it in one go. That was Chapter 3 of Out of the Dark by Choices. Please leave a kudos or a comment on Archive of Our Own. The link can be found in the episode description. Thanks for listening, guys. Until next time.